And so we're in this series on joy. And joy is not something that you can make whip up and make happen. This kind of joy. This is a joy that's anchored in a person. It's anchored in Jesus. It's a joy that isn't about me feeling it all the time. It's not a giddy, <laughs> you know, I know people that are giddy, but they don't, they don't really, it's not joy. They're joy. And in fact, one of the characteristics you can see of people that are, that really just do horrible things that are bad, they don't have joy. It's funny. You can, you can judge a lot about a church based on its it's atmosphere of joy. It doesn't mean, again, we're not giddy and always doing little, you know, trying to tell jokes and, and make something up and funny. But if they're, it's like clapping. Clapping doesn't make you more spiritual. But there's something connected to smiling and clapping. You know, we clap when there's a victory. We clap when there's somebody does something well. We clap to honor people. We clap. But there's somehow, I don't know, I, I go to vineyard churches that don't clap. And uh, they're no less spiritual than we are. It's not about whether they're godly or spiritual. or It's just there's something about clapping to me that, uh, you know, clap your hands, all you people, shout on the God, the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people, shout on the God. And they're, they're just, anyway, so joy is a series. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to preach a message that half this week, half next. If you If you just get this week, you're probably going to, Maybe wonder whether I'm I'm of a sound doctrine or not, uh, but I, I I it'll balance out next week. So let's start in verse one of chapter three in the book of Philippians, where Paul says this: Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He's been talking about this. He's kind of you know not rejoice in the world, not rejoice in your circuit. Rejoice in the Lord. It's in a person where he found his joy. He said, it's not a hard thing for me to keep saying this to you. It's, to be a good pastor, you got to be willing to say the same thing over and over and over and over again. Till finally people go, oh, Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. And sometimes it takes hearing something over and Paul says, I don't mind saying this again, and here's why. He said, It's a safeguard for you. Now, think of it as a defender. Joy, uh, I asked, we had two firefighters in the last service. One was a chief, one was just starting out, uh, but he's been in firefighting for a long time. And I asked the less uh, higher up, What's a backfire? He thought I wanted to describe a backdraft. No, I'm not talking about a backdraft, about a backfire. So I had to go to the chief and say, what's a backfire? He said, so you mean in the area of brush fire? I said, yes. A brush fire, when you have a fire coming at you, one of the ways they extinguish it is by starting another fire that burns towards it. It burns up the fuel between the, the raging fire coming and going at it. And so Paul creates a backfire to about what he's about to talk about. He's about to talk about one of the greatest joy stealers uh, ever. But he, to, to do it, he says, I want you to get your joy hat on to listen to what I'm about to say. Because what I'm about to say, joy is what it's after. Joy is the target of what he's about to do. So he just blurts out as he's writing this. A lot of people think maybe a pack of wild dogs just went by wherever he was being held captive. Uh, but he just blurts out in verse two, watch out, look out for the dogs. Now just think of, you know, now in their culture of that day, the religious leaders would call those that were 
not of their faith, dogs. The, the religious leaders would call the Gentiles dogs. They, they would describe them. And remember, dogs back then, were, you know, we call man's best friend and blah, blah, blah. Not then. A dog was considered unclean, foul, wild. They roamed the streets. They had no, no, uh, no one controlling them. They didn't have canine control. And, and they were always something despicable. So Paul flips it upside down. He's going to call the people that have been calling others dogs, he's going to call them dogs. The people he's calling dogs are teachers. They're religious leaders. And they're people that have come in and seen these Christians are happy. But they're happy without the religious trappings that they think you need to be happy with. For example, circumcision was for the males a sign that they belong to God and their faith. These people didn't have that sign. So you can't be happy because you don't have the badge of circumcision. Or you're not worshiping with the right thing on your head. Or you're not dressed the right way. Or you're eating, you're eating pork. I mean, my wife and I went out to eat the other night at a new barbecue place and right over our table, this is what should be mandatory in every pork or every barbecue. It was a giant boar head with tusk, giant, just looking right over your plate. And I'm thinking, I'm eating you right now, buddy. And it's good. So, but these people, you don't eat, you don't eat the right foods. You don't go to church on the right Sundays. You don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. So he calls them he warns them. He says, these people are, and, and you don't often think of religious people of doing evil, but evil isn't always about physically harming or doing something, quote, illegal. Uh, what, what these religious people were doing was evil because it was robbing the joy of these believers. And Paul says this in verse two, watch out for the dogs. Those men that do evil, they're mutilators of the flesh. They, they just want to, they want to do things to you outwardly to make you look like something so they can better approve of you. Verse three, for it is we who are the circumcision, not outwardly, but we worship God by the spirit and we brag, we glory in Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh. Now, he's going to talk in two categories. Confidence in the, our accomplishments or bragging on Jesus. Two categories. One is grace. The other is works achievement. And, and, and he's, he's about to explode with his, with his spiritual pedigree religiously that these dogs would all think is impressive. But he's going to spin it on them. In verse 4, he says, I have a reason to have this kind of confidence. I could brag about being religious. I could brag about my accomplishments. If anyone else thinks he has a reason to put confidence in his flesh, I do more. Verse 5. I'm, here's his list. Now, for us, a lot of this doesn't make much, it's not a big deal. We're not Jewish, most of us. We didn't grow up in this culture. We you got to understand, these are accolades. These are, if it was sports, they'd be trophies and awards and MVPs. And they'd be, you know, if it was military, it'd be ranking and, and, uh, and won this cross and this bad, you know, blah, blah. So he says, number one, I was circumcised on the, not just circumcised, but on the eighth day, the right day to be circumcised in their tradition. 
I'm of the people of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, there were two good tribes out of the 12 that stayed loyal. One was Judah. The other was Benjamin. So I'm a Benjamite. I'm better than. So he's being sarcastic here in a religious sense. But these are listing his accomplishments. These are things he, these dogs would brag about. Wow. You're from, you're, well, I'm, I'm from the tribe of Asher, not as big of a deal, or Manasseh, or whatever. And then he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And I don't know if you've ever done that M, uh, not M, what is it, uh, Me 23. My wife's done it. I just haven't done it yet. I'm, I'm a little, I don't, I don't know what I'm afraid of, but anyway, she's done, oh, and I know, Deborah, you've done it, and I know you're part pygmy, and uh, she's all excited. She's not real tall, and she found out she's got some pygmy in her. And so it's like, yeah. And she's Jewish, so we'll add that too. She got so you got a little bit of everything going on. Kim, Kim is I won't go off. I'll let her do tell her own story about her. So she's all excited about research. Oh wow! I'm, I always knew this. So Paul says, "Hey, if I do my me twenty three, I go back and it's Hebrew, 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 Hebrew. We're pure bloods. No defile. Now you got to understand in their culture, to be mixed is not good. So he's just bragging." I'm pure. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regard to the law, in other words, all the rules, regulations, the food, I'm a Pharisee. I'm stricter than the strictest person. I would never eat a gnat because it's not allowed, let alone touch pork, let alone do break the side. You know, he's a rule-following, outwardly religious, righteous-looking person. As for zeal, you want to talk about religious zeal? I persecuted the church. Now, again, he's ashamed of that. He's not saying that in the context of I'm proud of it. He's using them how extreme he was in his religious passion. You can be this extreme and be a total mean you-know-what. And you've met them. Some of the meanest people I've ever met are religious people. They're, they're mean, mean as snakes. Who do you think put Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the Romans. The Romans were pressured into it by the religious leaders that were jealous. They were all the ones that would think, yes, yes, that's good. That's good you're a Hebrew. That's good you're circumcised. That's good that you kept all. That's good. And you persecuted the church. That's good. And then he says, as for legalistic righteousness, in other words, for, for, by keeping the rules, like some of you grew up in a, a Sunday school system where you got a badge for perfect. Anybody got a perfect attendance at Sunday school here? You grew up with perfect attendance. Okay, Marcella, you, you won the, you got the perfect attendance award. I mean, everybody, when you had kids, you strive for that. You put fear in. You got mono. Get out of bed. You're going to get your award. You're going to drag them to Sunday school. You know, you got COVID. You're going to Sunday school. Everybody will have COVID. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, it's, it's the, the, the religiousness. Now, Paul comes in with all this. He's bragging here about his accomplishments because in that culture as today, the concept was good people go to heaven. Isn't that, if you go to any, any, any more, death is kind of like the ultimate cleanser. They died. So everything's taken care of and good people go to heaven. And that's not what the Bible teaches. We want to create God in our image and that God would grade on a curve 
or that God would certainly understand that, that I'm not bad, not as bad as that. Don't we always have a list of somebody we're better than? Every culture has a group of people that they mock and make fun of. Every culture. And in, in some cultures, it's those that have a darker skin they make fun of. Other cultures, it's those that have a lighter skin they make fun of. Some cultures, it's those that have a, a, a ski at the end of the, their name. And, and it's other cultures are somebody that's from you know, here or from there. Or that it, every, every, it's, a, it's an arrogance that's in our human sinfulness that we always have people that we feel better than. So Paul lists all this good stuff as though God should say, good boy, come on into heaven, Paul. You're an amazing accomplisher of all of these religious feats. And Paul says in verse 7, whatever was to my profit, in other words, all of the benefit, the accolades, the awards, the, the prestige, the privilege, all that was to my profit, I'm considering, thinking through it, it's loss for the sake of Christ. So he's comparing my accomplishments, finding Jesus. This is loss. It's, 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 he's, he's considered it. Now, a loss is pain, can be painful, but the pain quickly is subsided by the benefit, the plus. The negative is I had to give up on everything I thought I was doing. I, I, I like to use the example of for years, my wife and I, it would always be sacrificial for us because Mother's Day would come up and I'd get my mom flowers. And we'd spend more money on flowers than I'd spent on a good meal. And I was like, I didn't, you know, but, you know, it's my mom. And I bring, I, I don't, you know, I, back then I probably didn't even bring you flowers very often, did I? Was I a flower? Anyway, so we bring mom flowers, this, flowers, that, flowers. Finally, mom takes us to the side one time. She says, I just got to tell you, I just don't like those kind of flowers. <laughs> she likes real flowers, like a plant. She didn't like the smell of the, the, the cut flowers. So years, I've been bringing her flowers thinking, I'm a good son. And she, the minute we walked out the door, whew, she threw them in the dumpster. She didn't say, oh, my son brought them. She says, I hate those flowers. And she threw them out. I was like, mom, why didn't you know I didn't want to hurt your feelings? So you waited all this time. I got to save me a lot of money. I got to got you something cheap. God's going to save you a lot of, he said, I don't like all this. Well, you didn't mean, it's all for you. I did it for you. I'm honoring, no, this is for you. This is what Paul gets to. This is the heart of it. Verse eight, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, let me just stop here. I'll come back to this in a minute. Now, when I came to Jesus, I didn't lose anything. I wasn't raised religious. My dad quit going to church when I was six years old because he got offended at the church because whatever, doesn't matter. So it was like, I'm with them. I never heard about the Bible. We never prayed. We didn't sing. We didn't pray over each other. We didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't talk about faith. The only time I heard God's name is when my dad was mad. So that's how I grew up. So I come to Jesus, I'm a mess. I'm just a dirty, stinking, rotten sinner. Just, just lost. 
And when I came to Jesus, I thought the deal was, wow, I've got to offer Jesus a uh, uh, criminal record, uh, uh, pain, hurt. I've caused people embarrassment, shame, anger. Uh, what do you got in the deal, Lord? Oh, you're giving me love, kindness, forgiveness, and mercy. And I'm like, I'm all in. I couldn't get over the hump that he could love me. I couldn't get over with all the mess I was that he could love me. I didn't offer God my goodness and say, God, is this good? How's this? I didn't, I didn't come like that. Some of you came to Jesus like me, broken mess. Some of you think you're coming to Jesus by being good, by trying to be religious, by watching the outward things of life, by following the rules, by being a good person. And you're offering God your goodness saying, how do you like it? How do you like it? And Paul says, I learned that God doesn't want what I have to offer. I need what he wants to give. Now, for me, I didn't have a problem coming into the kingdom. I had a problem once I got around religion. It's a spiritual disease that you get at church. And it's more dangerous than COVID. And it's a religious mindset that you get from being around religious people that have started taking themselves way too seriously. When churches stop laughing, they've taken themselves too seriously. There's a difference between taking God very serious and you're no big deal. Let me help you. You're no big deal. If you think you're a big deal, get married and your wife will help you know you're no big deal. If you still think you're a big deal, get a cat. A cat will prove to you, you're no big deal. Because I don't got to listen to you. You got nothing to tell me. You're no big deal. And if a cat doesn't work, get a teenager. Because if you think you're a big deal, that teenager will let you know. Talk to the hand because the face isn't listening. The day my daughter did that to me, my head spun around on my shoulders and green soup came out of my mouth. As I, how, did you, how did you say it? Talk to the hand because the, the face isn't listening or something like that. I mean, she flung that hand in my face like that. I, I had nowhere to put it. I'd have found myself on the floor if I'd have done that to my dad. I'd be picking myself up. He'd have seen, I'd have seen a hand all right. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening to nothing you got to say. Wow. Try that one on her, Kiara, sometimes. See how she responds. <laughs> There's a little nugget for truth that you can try. Well, you did it to Grandpa. If you think you're a big deal, Jesus will never be a big deal. If it, it, he's not in competition. If you think you're a good person, then you'll not need his goodness. If you think you're acceptable by your achievements, then you're going to diminish his achievements. If, if you think that you're going to find joy and be near God because you've made straight A's, then you're creating a God that loves you based on earning his love and you're in trouble. That's why he calls them dogs and they steal your joy. Now, it's not that these things were evil that Paul was, some of them were, he didn't know it at the time. 
but it's the fact that good things become bad things when they get in the way of the best thing. Good things become contrary. And, and here's what he calls these good things. I love this in, in, in Philippians 3 and verse, uh, the end of verse 8. He says, I have lost all things and I consider them. Notice I'm thinking through this here. This isn't an emotional spasm. This isn't some little moment I'm having. I'm a bright, brilliant man. I've thought through it. I met Jesus on the road. He knocked me off my horse. All that I've ever tried to do, I realize, and the, the, the New International Version calls it, because the translators had to have been from Upper Northeastern, and he called it rubbish. I didn't know what rubbish was till my father-in-law said, hey, you got to take the rubbish out? So what is rubbish? We call it garbage in the South. It's garbage. Up North, it's, I probably can't even say the R right, but it's rubbish. How did they say the, the, the main? Rubbish. In the King James Version, the older English version called it dung. The word is scupola. Scupola is maggot-infested garbage or human or animal excrement. I can't even say that word. Uh, you know, I, I would use the word, if it had been about 15 years ago, I'd have, had, I'd have used the S word all through this message. What, what does he mean by the S word, honey? I don't know. Someone will explain it to you when you get home and you drop the F-bomb on your husband. I know what the F-bomb is. I just didn't know what the S word was. So we could at best, well, just to keep from you approving that you lost your humor and you get all uptight, I'll use the word crap because that'll offend some of you. But that's what this is. Paul says, I look at all my goodness, all my accomplishments. It's just crap, stinks, foul. It's what dogs eat. It's funny how he plays on this. They threw out the garbage to feed the wild dogs. Paul's saying, I'm going to throw out all the garbage of my goodness. You can gnaw on those bones, maggot infested all you want, you vultures. But you're not going to get my joy. Because my joy is not in my accomplishment. My joy is what I traded in my accomplishments for his. And this is called grace. And it's so offensive to our dignity. It's so offensive to our, 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 our prideful sense of reverence. It's, it's, so, it's like we changed the line the church did years ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The guy that wrote it was a former slave trader, came to Jesus, and he knew he was a wretch. But when in church, we don't want to sing about being a wretch. We're singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a one like, such a one like me. No, you're a wretch. I don't, I don't appreciate that. I've never been a wretch. There are wretches. And see, wretches... Don't see it because their religion trains you. This is what happened to me. I came in a wretch. But then I got some accomplishments. I got, I got the Lord worked in me. And I knew I was forgetting. And then I started leaning into me. And then it started being about me judging others that aren't as good as me. Didn't come along as me. Doesn't know as much about the Bible as me. Gets the Bible wrong from me. Doesn't vote the way that I vote. And I can judge them and I can criticize them and I become quite religious in my criticisms of their evil. I don't see mine anymore. 
I don't smell my bad breath, but boy, I can smell theirs. I thought about that in that song, just let, your, let, let out your breath. And, and I was just thinking, I thought, Lord, thank you that when you breathe on us, you never have bad breath. My wife has to regularly tell me to go brush my teeth. Well, that's honesty. Would you rather just not kiss you or say, honey, go brush your teeth and then come kiss me? And I'm all about it. You know, tell me. I want to get that kiss. And, you know, I brushed them this morning, honey. There's a lot of water under the bridge since this morning. A lot of food's gone over those lips. And there's somewhere in there was garlic. I didn't know where it got in there, but it's in there. And so you look like you've been eating a crap sandwich, and it smells like it. And so go brush your teeth if you're going to get near my lips. And so God's breath is never bad. I don't know what that didn't have anything to do with the message. But he's just... It, but our, our sins never are bad, are they? They're not as bad as that. You can have all those religious things and be a bigot. You can have all the religious knowledge of the Bible. And you can be prideful, arrogant, condemning, harsh, judgmental, stingy, greedy, bitter, unforgiving, unkind. But I believe the Bible. The Bible's the word of God. Okay. But do you... Know that you need God's mercy to be able to be accepted by him? Or do you think God thinks you're special because you know more, because you've not done this or that, or you've never been arrested, or you never got a DUI, or you never had a broken marriage, or you never, and so there's this togetherness. And again, none of that's, you know, go out and get a DUI so you can show God you're humble. That's stupidity. That's not the point here. The point is, is can you look at your goodness as the same level as a DUI? Can you look at your perfect attendance? Or can you look at you, I never did this, or I've never done that? Can you look at your accomplishments compared to Jesus? Compared to me, you're probably amazing. You're probably a saint. But I'm not the standard. Jesus is. So Paul says, it's scupola. It's garbage. It's crap. What I'm all, I depended on, believed in all my accomplishments, whether it's in business or finances or education. Can you say all my education is scupola? God's not impressed that you're smart because you're stupid compared to him. Oh, that's offensive. Well, you can tell you learn to be foolish until you learn to know that you're weak and tell you. That's why we use the term ugly in our church here. This is pretty. I've doctored myself up. This is religion makes me look better, smarter, and judging others makes me feel holier. And if you can't watch TV and judge people, uh, you, you're, uh, you, you're not a good judger because it's easy. They're idiots. If you can't judge politicians, they're idiots. They're corrupt. They're immoral. They're, you know, there's good ones. There's mixtures. But, you know, you critiquing others, sounding all self-righteous, and the reality is God says, no, you're not going to be judged on a curve just because you have a little more integrity than that politician does. So Paul says, not only did I give it all up, but I consider it rubbish. Why? Because I want Jesus. Can I have both? Can't Jesus just join my pile of accomplishments? Can't Jesus just make me a little better? Because I'm already pretty good. 
I'm a pretty good deal here, Jesus. You just had your goodness to mine. We got a thing going here. No, you just polluted his goodness. See, Paul, he said, if anybody had a right to brag about his flesh, his human accomplishments, he said, I do religiously. But you can't, that doesn't bring you nearer to God. Because you know what you hear in this category? You keep hearing God say, try harder, do a little better. As one leader said, when is good, good enough? When is it good enough? Now, I grew up in performance home like most of you did. And it was good, but you can do better. Meaning, you can grow and improve. And we're going to talk about that next week. So, I'll just allude to that because there's a place for challenging behavior. There's a place for get up and stop wallowing in your sin and move. There's a place for that. But you can't get there till you understand that your goodness is polluted, foul garbage. And it'll never bring you near God. It won't produce joy. It's not going to produce a sense of nearness to Jesus. How do I get there? It's what Paul says. I traded in everything I tried to do. Verse nine, to be found in him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness that I can own. I can't brag about it. I didn't do anything to get it. It's not mine. It's a gift. That is grace. That is the good news is that I don't have to be found in me, perfect, good, accomplished, successful. And then God says, oh, I, I kind of like you now. You were an idiot. You know, you were a jerk. But, you know, you cleaned up your act a little bit. You quit some bad behavior. You, you've learned some right things to say. You're going to church now. You're being, really, you're not, you didn't, you, 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 you know, no. No, if I can do anything to get God to love me more, then his love is based on me. That's not grace. If you can make God happier with you, if you can do anything you could. Now, there's things I can do to enjoy more of his love, experience more of his joy and happiness, but I can't make him love me more. I never made him love me in the first place. If he needed the reason to love me, he wouldn't love me. Because I give him too many reasons not to love me. It's not like, okay, here's the reasons to love me. And here's the reasons not to love me. Let's get the piles pretty equal. I got to add some reasons to love me to the pile. Because I've just added some reasons not to love me to that pile. And this pile's kind of shrinking. It's rubbish. It's garbage. It's performance. And you'll never have joy. You'll never be a little child and just go, you know, like Kim said in the first service, get out of bed and say, have the Lord just say, hey, let's have a good day together. Let's have a, we get up and say, oh, I haven't read the Bible enough. Oh, I need to pray more. Oh, and all those things are good, but none of them make God love you more. If they did, then you're getting God to love you and you can brag about it. I'm a Bible reader. I read my Bible. Okay. Do you practice the Bible? Do you love other people? Now I read my Bible. And I can tell people that don't read their Bible. Okay, so you're reading your Bible to be more spiritual, look holier to, to no. You read your Bible, because you'll get to it in a minute, but, but you don't read it to, to make God like you. 
I like you now. It's like quiet time is like spiritual detention. I did my quiet time, stayed after class, you know. What are they, is that what they call after detention, Chad? You have to stay after school? Do you still give detentions out? You do. He's a principal, so he knows these things. Does your wife ever put you in time out? <laughs> I would tell you a story about the COVID, but I won't. And <laughs> I won't tell you that story. Save it for another time. It's too painful. <laughs> you did bring it up. You did go there. Listen. God doesn't punish us to try to get us to do spiritual things. He delights in us and loves us and says, hey, let's do some spiritual things. Now, Paul says, listen to this. This is the, this is, he said, I want to be found, the end of verse 9, with a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ and comes from God and is by faith. In other words, it's got nothing to do with Paul. The dogs say, you got to do it. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, you got to, you got to, you should have, you shouldn't have. And Paul says, I, I got a gift. The gift of righteousness means I have a place to stand with God's arms around me of approval and love. That's what righteousness means. It's not about doing righteous deeds. You get to that. But first, until you know, he loves me in spite of me. He loves me without a pile of scupola. You can't drag this pile of stinking, rotten, filthy, self-righteous performance. Jesus, look what I got for you. He says, why did you bring garbage to the party? Leave the garbage at the cross and come get the good stuff that smells sweet, that brings you to that place of delight and joy that he smiles that he's not angry at you these accomplishments will never stop him from being angry at you what stopped him from being angry is the cross that Jesus accomplished all that all the works you could ever try to get to do he's already done them and God was very pleased with Jesus and when he gives you the gift he puts that robe we talked about in small group the worshipers robe the robe of right when he covered you got to come naked first you got to be stripped of all the religious baggage for me coming in it was easy i got nothing to offer god but but a mess i'm a mess so i didn't try to offer him anything i just couldn't believe he loved me well then i learned that he loved me and I start practicing following Jesus, and I get in the church world, and religion attacks me like the COVID. Well, you know, you don't, well, you know, you don't, you don't pray as much as that pastor prays in your church. Well, well, he, he's been doing it half as long as you, and his church is five times as big. And well, yeah, look at that. Yeah, well, and you move back into this religious performance of criticizing and judging and putting down others and, and looking, building yourself more, instead of realizing that, that even now I need him to love me in his righteousness, not in mine. It's never mine. It's always his. Guess who gets all the credit when it's all his? And I don't go, well, you know, I want to thank God, you know, because he helped me. No, no. God's not out to help people. I, I, I want to thank God. You know, I accomplished this mighty feat, and I just want to thank God 
for helping me like my mom and dad. No, no. You didn't breathe if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't take a next step if it wasn't for God. He doesn't help us. He raises us from the dead. That's mercy, resurrection. He didn't just make, Paul didn't just get, I just got a little more religion to add to the pile. He didn't want religion, had religion. Religion doesn't bring any joy. There's no relationship in religion. It's duty, obligation, servanthood. It's works, it's, it's, it's striving, it's, it's trying to perform. Faith says, thank you, yes. Yes, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. I'm empty. Fill it, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then he says this. Found in him having a righteous comes from God that's by faith. Now, verse 10, my favorite verse, probably in the whole Bible. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being coming like him in his death. So Paul says all of this giving up is nothing compared to what I got. I got Jesus. It's not more of the Bible. It's not more theology. It's not more church. It's more Jesus. And all the rest of that comes along. Because I want to, Paul, you've been following him for 30 years. And you want to know him? I want to know more of him. I want to know him deeper. The only thing I can compare it to is a little bit like marriage and a woman. You know, I've been married for 43 years to this beautiful lady. And she's still intriguing to me. I mean, she surprises me all the time. I just happen to have a wife. You can't put her in a box. She's a kaleidoscope. She's just creative. She's a man. And you, just when you think you got her figured out, because I'm very rhythmic. I'm very, you know, you could count on Jamie does this. here. She'll just put, I was like, honey, why? Why? I don't know. I mean, we used to have struggled in our marriage because she moved all my T-shirts and socks and underwear from the top drawer down three drawers. I said, honey, I, I, at the time I was 40 years old. And I was like, I've, I, in my sleep, I go get my stuff. I can't sit. I can't, I can't change and go down here. She'll move the garbage can. I can't find the garbage. Where's the garbage can? How do you hide a garbage can? She got tired of it being there. It's always there. That's where you go to get the garbage. I felt like I wanted to put it over here. I can't even find it over there. It makes life, but, but on a deeper level. Getting to know her, walk with God, seeing what God's brought her through as we tell stories and we grow together. She's, a, she's, she's an intriguing mystery. I'll never fully figure her out. And that's what keeps it exciting. She has to, she's already figured me out. She has to overcome being bored. So there's two extremes in the situation. She just knows that you're just hungry. I know I'm hungry, but I, I wanted to tell you I loved you. And then what are we going to eat? And so she, she, so God is not somebody you're going to just figure him out. Paul says this whole gift thing. This whole joy thing is about Jesus, his resurrection. He raised me out of a death. He didn't, he didn't bury me in a grave of religious duty. He raised me into a garden of new life where there's joy. So are you joyful? If you're not, check out if you're not letting the dogs come bite at your heels and get you back to be religious. If I could just be a little more religious, then I'll be happy. I'll be closer to Jesus. No, no. You'll be less happy and further from Jesus and more focused on you. 
over here, the only thing you got to brag about is Jesus. It's Jesus is my goodness. Jesus is my wisdom. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my everything. Amen. When you focus on that, there's joy because he's happy. He's happy Jesus. That over there is mad Jesus. That pile over there smells bad to Jesus. It, it doesn't pat you on the head. Good people don't go to heaven. That's hard. That's painful. People are going to deal with God on this because they want to hold God to account. They want to want what's fair. I want what's due me. I want what I work for. I want. If you want that, you ain't getting mercy. That's justice. And if you want to stand in the face of God and shake your fist at him and say, I want justice, you ain't looked in the mirror of your heart lately. I want to come before God as I did at salvation. I do it 45 years later. God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. Thank you that you love me as much. Now, I know way more about the Bible now. But I don't, that doesn't equal I know more about Jesus. Sometimes I miss the, the relationship I had with Christ when I first got saved. That radical faith and joy and, and you know, that wonder. And, and I just, I, I want to know him, Paul said. And that's the point. Religion, you want to focus on you, your hard work, your sacrifice, your accomplishment, your fast, your discipline, your whatever. Over here, it's Jesus. I stand, Lord. I gain you. If I gain you, whatever I gave up is like the guy that Jesus said went out and found a pearl of great price. Went and sold everything he had. Why? Because the pearl was worth more than whatever was given up. There was no comparison. Let's pray. Which category do you find yourself in? Are you dependent on your goodness, your accomplishments, that you could uh, somehow God owes you to welcome you into his presence, or are you standing in Jesus? You can't have a foot in both. It's not a combo deal. Jesus' goodness cannot be shared or compared with our self-effort in religious activity. So are you trusting in his accomplishment that he died for all of your sins? He died even to cleanse you of your own self-righteousness, your own prideful goodness. It doesn't smell good to him. It's, it's scupola. It's garbage. Lay it at his feet just like you lay your sins. Lord, I lay all of my accomplishments, all of my trying to make you like me, I lay it at your feet. I repent of trying to get you to give me something that you've already offered me for free, paid for by Jesus. Full acceptance, forgiveness, love, the power of a resurrected life. Come, Jesus. Lord, if there's one, two here that have been hanging on to try to be good enough, never feeling they've reached it, because we can't get there, Lord. We all fall short of your glory. We've all sinned. Lord, if there's someone here, Lord, that's just wrapped up and, and just trying to be religious enough for you to like them.
Set them free today, Lord. Let them receive the gift of your righteousness by faith. And Lord, if there's people here that were like me that feel they're too dirty, too broken, too flawed for you to love them, let them know that your love's got nothing to do with where they've been or what they've done or even what they're going to do. Your love is based on your choice to love without a reason. Lord, we love you because you first loved us and we're grateful to stand in that place of joy. Lord, bless those that need to make a commitment today. Lord, those that the dogs have robbed their joy and all the religious duties and obligations and performance, Lord, lift that yoke of bondage off their neck. Put your yoke of joy back on them, Lord. Come, Jesus, help this time of commitment. In your name we pray. Amen.